You know, I'm a New Yorker originally. And, you know, for many years when I was in New York, I was a professional drag artist. I didn't want to date myself, but, you know, in the 90s, <laughs> I was doing drag full time. And I, I created the character of Sunrise. You know, I, I really find, wanted to find a way to combine my interest in drag, but also my theater experience as an artist, particularly my love for musical theater. I mean, I started thinking about these, what I call the kind of grand dames of musical theater, like Liza Minnelli and Shirley MacLaine, particularly those artists who do these one woman shows that talk about their careers and their lives. Yep. So that's how she was born. It's Razzle Dazzle Radio today, and we have a lot to razzle dazzle about. I'm so excited that we have three powerhouse guests we have Joseph Riesch, and he is of Rep Stage, and much more that you'll hear about later. Of course, Liz Higgins, who runs the dance department at Howard Community College. And if you have not seen one of her concerts, shame on you. You are going to find out how you can see it in November. They are not to be missed. And Roman Makata, I think I'm saying his name right, and he is going to talk about a very extraordinary form of dance that he's doing here locally that you can join in too. So, so much fun, so much to talk about. So, Liz, tell us about what to expect for your fall concert. We're really excited about the HCC Dance Showcase, which will go up on November 18th and 19th at 7 p.m. in Smith Theater at the Horowitz Visual and Performing Arts Center. This show features both student works and faculty and guest artists. So the students are choreographing on students, and I mentor them through that process, and there'll be five of them this year. The faculty representatives, uh, I have a piece on the program and my colleague Darian Smith has a piece on the program. And we have some wonderful guest artists coming to perform in those pieces out of DC. And then we are also gonna have Gabrielle Mata on the program and Clancy Works Dance will be represented. So we have a lot of really great choreography and performances and we're super excited to bring everybody together and showcase them all in one evening. And a little before that on November 5th, for Celebration of the Arts, I'll sort of be premiering one of the works, the work that I'm going to be showing on that concert will be shown at Celebration of the Arts this year. So we're really excited that HCC Dance is going to be represented as well. Absolutely. And it should be. And actually, Joseph Reese will be their MC in that fabulous celebration. So yay. I'm really looking forward to that. So everyone, November 5th, put that in big letters on your calendar. Thank you so much. So Liz, tell us about your dance department. What's the dance that's kind of in now? What are students signing up for? What's happening in the dance That world? is a great question, Judy. I feel like every year people's interests shift and it's hard to, to predict and know what it is they're going to want to participate in. For some, you know, our intro to dance classes are always super popular because it gives you an overview of all different styles. So that class is packed as always, which we're happy to see. We offer all styles like jazz and tap and hip hop. Jazz is, seems to be a favorite this semester. We have a lot of folks in our jazz class. Of course, we always offer contemporary modern and ballet because that's part of the base for our dance majors. So lots of great dancing happening. And then I'm co-teaching a music concepts for dance class with a musician. Our music mm. 
Ricky Jefferson. And I just love teaching that class. That really helps students understand the relationship between music and dance and how it's notated, how it's articulated, how we communicate with musicians or composers, how to bring that articulation into the body so we can become more articulate movers. So we're having a a great time at that semester. And Ricky, this is the first time Ricky Jefferson is teaching that with me. And he is just amazing. Wow, I love that concept. That's just, it reminds me of a dance teacher that always used to say, make sure to articulate your feet. So I love that. Articulate because it doesn't just have to be with speaking. And it also brings back a good memory. When I studied dance at UMBC, we had live accompaniment for all the modern classes. And we even had a harp one time. That's really a special class to take too. And now they're doing some yoga classes with harps, which is powerful too. HCC is always on the cutting edge. So when you're right there, it's interesting how jazz has come and gone. You know, so jazz was super popular. My buddy Carolyn and I did a lot of jazz together back in a little studio in Baltimore for years. Wally Saunders shout out. And then the whole kind of style of jazz changed and it still is changing, but now they're back to calling it jazz. And I think it's more, it incorporates more of sort of a contemporary street hip hop component too now, don't you? How would you describe it? The jazz today is definitely different from the jazz (laughs) even 20 years ago, 10 years ago. Yeah. I mean, if you do a survey of jazz over time, stylistically, it's shifted so much. And the beautiful thing now, of course, is sort of that blending or fusion of styles, which is contemporary dance in the 21st century. You know, we see that in modern as well, in ballet, really in everything. It's, I think, kind of goes in line with the internet and the globalization of culture and people's exposure to different styles across cultures and how that influences artists and the work that they're doing. Absolutely. And I also love that a growing theme in so many pieces and a lot in some of the pieces that you do that I love is social justice. You know, I mean, that's pushing its way in there all the time. So, you know, we're speaking in a louder way with that piece when we incorporate it into dance. And, you know, of course, the piece that stands out for me from last year was the piece about the homelessness, which everybody spoke about for a long time. So, That was brilliant. So if you want to see some really high-end, professional, entertaining dance, please come in November. What's the dates again? 18th and 19th, Liz. And I know that I will be there. And also, don't you usually have a speak back after one of your performances so you can talk about what's happened on stage or, you know? Yes, we usually do it after our opening night. And that's the opportunity for the audience to ask questions of the artists and and get a deeper perspective on on the process and where their inspiration comes from. Great. Well, I know you have to chasse back to a class. (laughs) So we are grateful that you got to come on and share all this good news about dance. And we will see you on the 18th and 19th. So check out the dance department at HCC great offerings. Thanks for all you do and contribute. Thank you so much, Judy and Carolyn. I appreciate the invitation and it's a joy to be with all these wonderful artists. So thank you. Absolutely. Take care. So now we're going to go around the corner from the dance studio into the theater and the man with a plan and the guy that makes big magic happen there is Joseph Reich. He has brought so much 
to the theater and rep stage at the college. And I'm not sure that he's even one person because he does so many different things. And so a show that he had started, it seems that you started a lot of shows right before the pandemic. (laughs) So, but he's still making the dreams come true was Songs for a New World. So we want to talk about that first because it's certainly a very unique and different show and lots to say around it. So tell us why you chose that show and what we can expect. Sure. Thank thank you so much, Judy, for having me. Thank you. Yeah, as you reference, I think this is the fourth, maybe fifth time we've tried to produce songs, both just pre-pandemic and throughout the pandemic. As you can imagine, for obvious reasons, it, it didn't happen. So I, I will say the piece has quite a lot of meaning to us doing it now. You know, we're not post-pandemic yet, but where we are in this journey of the pandemic, hopefully working our way through and out because it is very much a new world now than it was, you know, two and a half, three years ago. So I think the piece has a weight to it that it wouldn't have had pre-pandemic. I'm very grateful that I would say 90% of the cast and creative team has stayed with the project the entire time. It's been a project of love for all of us. So it's been great to hold on to those artists and be able to not only, um, provide the opportunity for work for them, but to keep them with the show because it's a very special group of artists. I bet. Yeah. And as you mentioned, you know, this is a piece that's called a song cycle. It's different than a traditional musical, although it is entirely sung. There is no speaking text in the piece. What makes it different from a traditional musical is there's no through line or specific story. It's all songs by the same composer, Jason Robert Brown, who wrote uh, the musical Parade and Bridges of Madison County, the next five years, 13, a number of pieces. I mean, he's working on a bunch of new things as well. So it's a collection of his songs that don't, and each song is a different character or characters that, and each song contains its own story. We've couched the evening. It starts with a group of friends getting together for the first time in person post-pandemic. And then they kind of share these stories with each other at this party on a rooftop in New York City. So it's very much to a love letter to getting back together and reconnecting with our loved ones after being so isolated for the past few years. So um, yeah, we're super excited about it. I think it's going to be really beautiful. We have an amazing design team. There's lots of video and cool effects and things. So I think folks will have a really nice time. And and so many of the songs are very, very moving. Some of them are very, very funny. So I think it's going to be a really great kind of diverse evening of fun. And uh, hopefully people walk out feeling good and reconnected. Well, you always have special touches. I mean, that's just your signature. So I love how you took it. (laughs) Yeah, you started it pre-pandemic and now you're putting it in the theme of Mm. hopefully post-pandemic, as you say, and, you know, bringing it up for so that we're just, we're all connected right away Mm. with the opening. So, I mean, yeah, that's just perfect. And that's that's the beauty of theater, how we can (laughs) creatively change that. So, okay, so now doesn't that begin this weekend? Yeah, our preview is Thursday, the 22nd. Official opening is Friday night. And because of some calendar stuff, it's a bit of a shorter run for us. We only run two weeks. So we close on October 2nd. So uh, folks should get their tickets now because uh, they're starting to sell out. And, you know, it's a very popular piece, particularly with folks that love musicals. So 
I would suggest get into the box office or the website and uh, get your tickets. Right. And also, because I like your talk back discussions after what time can we expect to hear one of them? What are those? Sure. So there's two. One will be on Saturday, the 24th after the matinee. So which okay. is a two o'clock matinee. So directly following that. And then okay. a second one will be on Friday, the 30th, that matinee, which is a staff and faculty student matinee, but it's also open to the public. Oh, beautiful. Um, so there will be a talk back on those two days. Well, there's no excuse not to get there because there are so many different times. So you can do matinees, you can do evenings. And again, this is starting this Friday and running through till, did you say October 2nd? Yes, through October 2nd. Through October 2nd. So get those tickets. You don't want to miss this. Now, moving right along into another event that Joseph just shared with me that I'm super excited about, and that is going to be on October 6th, and that is a very big kind of drag show, and his character of Sunrise will be hosting that, and we're going to come back and talk about that role in just a little bit, but tell us about this night, and then we'll speak about that role that you developed. Sure. So RepSage is partnering with the Department of Student Life, as well as a Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee to present what we're calling Drag On, which is a play on, of course, both drag and Duncan, our dragon here at HCC. It's called the Drag On Extravaganza. And like you said, Judy, it's happening on Thursday, October 6th. We've gotten together five, the kind of top celebrity regional drag performers. I can list them quickly. Baby, Ayana Joshanel, Brooklyn Heights, Stelia Manns, King Molasses, who's a drag king, which is a part of the drag community, of course, with drag kings. And then, like you mentioned, my twin sister, as I call her, <laughs> Sunrise, with a Z, like Liza, will be hosting the evening. And another component is going to be a student drag competition. So we've got a call out to all HCC students can apply to compete kind of a la RuPaul's Drag Race style. There'll be a panel of judges, and then the audience will pick the winner once the judges come up with our two semifinalists. So that should be really fun and exciting. And as an educational component, we're also going to do a panel discussion with the drag performers talking about our lives, our identities as queer and trans folks, and kind of how we got into the business of drag professionally and, and what that means as drag artists. And then pre-show in the lobby, we're going to do a community event with community partners, kind of like a resource fair with lots of information about different LGBTQ plus organizations and support for both student staff and the community at large. Fantastic. Well-timed because the Gay Pride Festival is, I believe, that same weekend after. I think it's October 9th here in yeah. Columbia as well. Yeah. And October is National LGBTQ Plus History right. Month. And the following week is National Coming Out Day. So it's a big month for the community. Absolutely. So what time does all that fun begin on October 6th if you want to get there? Sure. Yeah. The kind of pre-show resource fair starts at six o'clock in the Harwood okay. Center lobby. And the show will start at seven in the Smith Theater. And it is a Free events, no charge. And it's open, obviously, both to the entire campus community, but the greater Howard County community at large. It's open to the public, too. Oh, my gosh. Sounds so fun and free, That's too. Amazing. I can't <laughs> believe it. So last year, when the first show came out after the, no pun intended, after the pandemic, and you played the role of Sunrise with a Z, I literally wept. And I wept because I was so happy to be in live theater and because of the moving role that you did combining such heart 
and comedy. And there were so many things in that role. It was just a beautiful show. So tell us how you came to do that and luckily brought us back to theater, which was moving experience in itself. Yeah, I mean, for a big part of my, you know, I'm a New Yorker originally. And, you know, for many years when I was in New York, I was a professional drag artist. I don't want to date myself, but, you know, in the 90s, <laughs> I was doing drag full time and I, I created the character of Sunrise. You know, I, I really find wanted to find a way to combine my interest in drag, but also my theater experience as an artist, particularly my love for musical theater. I mean, I started thinking about these, what I call the kind of grand dames of musical theater, like Liza Minnelli and Shirley MacLaine, particularly those artists who do these one woman shows that talk about their careers and their lives. Yep. So that's how she was born. I was also very, and I find your description of the show very flattering, and I appreciate that, Judy, because I was very interested in not only the comedy, which we also would be often find, you know, in drag artistry, but a kind of heart to her and a story that was a real journey. And then again, you know, how musical theater songs could tie into that, but without it being, okay, here's a song from this musical, here's a song from that musical. Right, right. So I've been doing this, that particular show, you know, for, oh, you know, since the 90s, I toured all over the country. I toured to Canada and to Mexico with the piece, which was, I mean, all of those were great experiences. So yeah, so I was happy to kind of come out of retirement, so to speak. And I kind of pull that out and, and do it again. And it was a huge success. And it was also a fundraiser for the foundation at the college. We raised a lot of money for the student food bank. So it was just a, a good time. Mm. Around, yeah. I love it. And you will be in that character on October 6th, correct? I will. He will return. So if you didn't yes, get the opportunity to say it then, at least visit it now. And so, well, let's just talk for just a quick second about that whole concept too, because there is that you did so well is I'm the happiest sad person ever. Yeah. You know, that combination that happens <laughs> for mm -hmm. so many. So how did you you know, make that come through. What Stanislavski technique did you use <laughs> to pull that out? Because it was very clear, you know, Pretty that perfect. dichotomy of the character. Well, again, going back to some of these, you know, actual folks like, you know, the Lizas of the world and the Shirley MacLaine's and, you know, the Joey Heathertons, right? These women, you know, their lives weren't always easy, right? So I kind of drew on that and then and my own personal life, right, as artists often do. And then, you know, the fantasy element of, you know, what Sunrise's life is like, you know, part of the shtick with her is that she thinks she's much more successful <laughs> than she actually is. But, you know, you buy it, right? She believes so um, greatly in herself and her own success. You know, for her, a tour of cocktail lounges at Howard Johnson Hotels is a success, right? <laughs> um, it's a gift and a curse, yes. It is, it's a gift and a curse. So I was really interested in, you know, what we that, that we call pathos, right, between the ups and downs in our lives. And two, you know, there were very specific musical theater songs I was interested in, so they helped guide me to sometimes to create those monologues that that tie them together. Well, I hope I can see it again. I hope that you'll travel that somewhere else because I would absolutely love to see it again. There's talks of her coming back. I had a feeling. I had a feeling. So moving forward, and then you have one show that will be coming up after the holidays. And tell us what that is. Sure. So we're still finalizing the, the spring part of the season. But um, one thing that's definitely happening is that our February show is a, a, a world premiere of a new play called Ghost Writer. Mm. Like Dana Didi. Dane is a Black trans woman. She's a playwright and actress. If you saw our production of E2, she played Queen Isabella in that. Okay. 
She's a dramaturg, she's an activist, she's just an incredible human being, and I'm very grateful to call her a friend as well. This is not her newest play, but she's just prolific how she cranks these things out, but it's a beautiful new play. The first act takes place in Tulsa, just before the infamous Tulsa riots, and a young Irish immigrant comes to visit a Black woman spiritualist for guidance because mm. he's killed a Klan's member that threatened the life of a young Black woman he's fallen in love with. Wow, what a plot. Um, yeah, and then Act 2 flashes forward to modern-day Baltimore in 2022, and a very prominent white male Broadway playwright hires a ghostwriter because he's struggling with writer's block on his new play, and a young Black woman shows up. And I don't want to give too many things away, but you find out that their families have a very dark history based in violence against black and brown folks. And what's really cool about the piece is the same two actors do both acts. So they switch from the characters in act one to act two. And you also find out that the characters in act one have a connection to the characters in act two. So it's a really beautiful play. I think it's a really important play for our times right now. We did a radio play version of it over the pandemic, but I felt like it was too important of a piece not to have a full production. And again, we're very grateful that that entire team pretty much has stayed on with it. And Dane is in it. Dane plays the female roles in the piece. So I'm really excited about it. It's not always an easy play to watch because of the subject matter, but I think it's super important. And believe yeah. it or not, it does have some comedy in it, particularly in Act 2, until things get serious. But yeah, I think Dane is one of the most important playwrights of our time. She's someone that we should be watching out for because she has an incredible voice and has a lot to say about the world and where we are. Wow. Okay. What's the date of that again? February? or that is, oh God, I'm looking at my cheat sheet here. That will be uh -huh. February 9th through okay. 26th. All right. We, yes, that's a must see. Joseph, thank you so much. I mean, like I said earlier, you have brought such contributions oh, to you. the college and I am a complete fan of you and your work. So yeah, I, I can't wait to see what else you're going to be doing because it's thank always you. going to be something for thank sure. Thank you. And so, Carolyn, good to see you too. Carolyn, tell us about our next guest who has been patiently waiting to talk to us. And I can't wait to hear from you. So tell us about Roman. Well, I, we are taking a 90-degree turn here from drag queens to a Ukrainian folk dancer who's performing in a Japanese dance program. So let's go to the, with a little bit more serious overtones because of his heritage. Would you talk a little bit about that, Roman? Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. It's really an honor. So I was born in the USA and I'm half Ukrainian on my dad's side, but I became interested in dancing kind of through my Ukrainian culture. When I was two years old, my grandfather, who was from Ukraine, showed me a video of, they're called the Virsky Ukrainian National Dance Ensemble. And they do Ukrainian folk dance but it's intentionally made overtly theatrical, uses the principles of ballet technique. That gentleman, Virsky, Pavlo Virsky, was a ballet choreographer before he became a folk choreographer. But his company, in, based in Kiev, in the capital of Ukraine, simply amazing. And they started when it was the Soviet Union. It's kind of mm. an export of pan-Soviet, but specifically Ukrainian culture. But since Ukraine became independent in 1991, they have continued to serve the Ukrainian people and the Ukrainian country, performing within Ukraine, but also as ambassadors throughout the world. 
And in 1998, that video came to me, and I fell in love with it. I thought that dancers were angels and the stage was heaven. It was just oh, mystical. And we were not living near Ukrainian diaspora at the time, but when we moved to the Maryland area, there was a Ukrainian dance group. Unfortunately, it's not there anymore, but it was in Baltimore called Leman. And I just started Ukrainian folk dance lessons. But there was a lady there who wasn't Ukrainian. She was just a character dance enthusiast. And she saw me, my passion, and she encouraged me and my parents to sign me up for ballet lessons just to kind of help the dance coordination. And then I started ballet when I was seven, and then the rest is history. I just continued to train all styles of dance, loved it so much, specifically then getting more into ballet history and choreography and things that I also just fell in love with. And right after high school, I joined Ballet Theatre of Maryland in Annapolis. At that time, it was under the direction of Diana Coato. And it was amazing for me just starting my professional career right away and so exciting. But in 2017, there was an opportunity to study and basically be in the studio company of the Virsky Ukrainian National Dance Ensemble, which went back to that original video that inspired me to dance. So I took advantage of that opportunity and I absolutely loved it. And while I was there, I also pursued my higher education. And I am actually finishing it now remotely with the war going on, but starting in about 2019, I started my bachelor's degree in dance pedagogy and choreography from Ukraine. And it's actually the National Pedagogical University, Drahomanova, based in Kiev. It's in general a pedagogical university, any science of teaching, but actually some Ukrainian presidents had gone there, so it's a very prestigious university. And they have that specific focus on dance pedagogy and choreography, and it covers ballet and modern, but it also specifically had that theatrical folk dance or character dance style, which is just very strong over there or in Russia. And so in choosing to go to university there, it was really such a perfect fit for my niche because even whether it be choreographing that style or teaching in that style, which I have a lot of draw teaching character dance and other things here in the USA. But at least outside of University of Utah, there's not a lot of university programs in the USA that focus on character dance pedagogy. So having studied in Ukraine was for me perfect. And then life took me back to the USA. And of course, right now it's just very devastating time. And my heart goes out to everyone who is over there. And it's, you know, it gets very heavy to talk about, but it's in general a very difficult time. But living here in the USA, I am trying to use my gifts to always make the world a better place, but specifically shed light and bring awareness and by extension joy to audiences by presenting them the Ukrainian culture. And you are doing that. So how can we find you and see what you're doing? So since moving back to the USA, I kind of working in many different capacities, still as a performer, but also as a teacher and as a choreographer. And I really love it because I get to do everything that I love to do. And I have joined the Masako Ballet Company in Columbia. I've also reconnected with the Ballet Theater of Maryland, now with under the direction of Nicole Kelsch. And basically where I kind of keep everything up to date in terms of where I'll either be performing or doing choreography, I have a Facebook page right now to just Roman Makita artist. And I try to update that with where I'm 
doing everything. But the one thing is the most upcoming performance is on October 2nd with Masako Ballet Company. We're performing at Japan Day, which will be at the Columbia Cultural Community Center. And it's on October 2nd, Sunday. And we are in a four to five time slot. And one of the dancers and myself is performing a pas de deux that Masako herself has created, which has a Japanese title, but it translates to the memory of summer, which is such a nice piece to perform in October because summer, but we actually put it together in one rehearsal just last week. And it's such a beautiful piece. And I love dancing and I love choreography. I love making choreography as well as performing other people's choreography or workshopping collectively on something just because it's very intimate, it's very personal, and you kind of really touch someone's soul, or I can share my own soul in terms of how choreography is created. And I personally really love Miss Masako's choreography. I'm also we just- We love having you here. I mean, <laughs> you. you are such a gift. And you know what? I wish we could keep talking. We're running out of time. So maybe we're either going to ask you to come back another time and continue because I love that you are dancing from your soul, you know, completely and utterly. So, but if you want to at least get a glimpse of Roman, and I will be there. I've got my calendar all filled today. October 2nd, I want to come see you in this performance at four o'clock at the Columbia Cultural Center. Where is that real quick? I don't know that area. It will be my first time there. I don't know the address off the top of my head, but where That's we okay. perform near the Harper's Street, where, sorry, where we rehearse, it's within that neighborhood. Oh, okay. I, yeah, we'll, we'll check and we'll make sure and put that out on Facebook. Roman, thank you so much for being here and all that you're doing to make the world a better place. So keep dancing. Carolyn, yeah. did you want to just say one more thing? Yes, I want to add that I am a student of Roman's on Thursday morning, 945 ballet class at Misako Studio in the Harper's Choice Village Center. So a shout out for that. Okay. Oh, absolutely. I'd love to come sometime. Thank you, Roman, for joining us. And thanks goes to Joseph Reich, Liz Higgins, my buddy Carolyn Kellerman. Until next time, Razzle Dazzle Radio. Connect with us. We are Dragon Digital Radio.